0: Now, let us read the account of the transfiguration that we find in Matthew's gospel. Chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. "...suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, "'Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah.' And while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, "'This is my Son, the Beloved.'" With him I am well pleased, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the Word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I am a new face to you, my name is Ross Furio, I'm one of the pastors here, typically on Sunday mornings I am next door in the chapel in our modern worship service that we call The Gathering, and our senior pastor, Kevin Payne, is over here with you, but this morning we have swapped. So I am here and he is there, and let me tell you, it feels good to be back in here with you. I don't get to be in here as often as I would like. Especially on a morning where we get to read a text like that. I mean, come on, right? This has to be one of the biggest moments in Jesus's ministry when he is transfigured before the eyes of Peter and James and John. This is an event that we typically refer to as the transfiguration. We find it in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Luke, and in the Gospel of Mark. It's this moment that we celebrate just before we begin the season of Lent. So here we are on Transfiguration Sunday looking down the mountain, seeing before us Ash Wednesday and the journey to the cross, but first we allow ourselves to have this moment with Jesus on the mountaintop, a moment where his identity is solidified for us. After this moment, if there was any doubt, there should be no more. Jesus is actually the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. He is the beginning and the end. And there is so much jammed into this really short passage in the Gospel of Matthew that is desperately trying to convince us of that. There is so much here in what we just read that we could really sink our teeth into this morning. We could talk about the parallel between this moment and the baptism of Jesus that we find in the Gospel of Matthew. Both involve the voice of God calling down to Jesus, making sure that we realize that this is His beloved Son. They in a lot of ways represent the bookends of Jesus' ministry, the baptism marking the beginning. And this moment on the mountain marking the beginning of the end as Jesus prepares to make his way to Jerusalem and face the cross. We could talk about how this moment here where Jesus' face shines like the sun and his clothes become as bright as a light, how it parallels for us Exodus 34 where Moses makes his way up Mount Sinai, and he too hears the voice of God and receives instructions directly from God as to how the recently freed Israelites can be God's people. And like Jesus, when Moses comes down the mountain, the scripture said that his skin and his face were shining because he had been talking to God. I think Matthew wants us to make that connection, linking Jesus to the covenants that we find in the Hebrew Scriptures. We could talk about how here in this moment, Jesus in the the transfiguration, how He is not alone. Beside Him is Moses, the giver of the law the one who God uses to lead his people out from under Pharaoh, the one who led God's people through the wilderness and to the doorsteps of the promised land, and Elijah on the other side, the prophet of all prophets, both of them with Jesus, speaking with him as clear as the eye can see. We could talk about how all over Scripture and elsewhere in Jesus' ministry that when someone begins to climb a mountain, we as the reader should lean in and expect the presence of God to show up in a miraculous, life-altering, transformative way. There is plenty for us to sink our teeth into this morning with this moment. But do you know what my takeaway was this week? After reading all of the commentaries trying to wrap my head around Jesus in this moment fulfilling all of the law and all of the prophets, all of the connections with Moses as he made his way up and down Mount Sinai, the fact here that here in this moment and at the baptism of Jesus we hear the voice of God and the connection going on between there. After reading all of that, my theological takeaway, my, my personal insight that I've been working on all week, all I could think about when I read this scripture was, man, do I wish that I was there. I mean, really. Instead of trying to explain this moment, I just wish that I would have been able to experience it. I mean, don't you Don't you wish that you could have been there on the mountaintop in this moment? I wish that I had gotten to experience all of the glory that must have been found in this moment. I, I wish that I got to see this. And if I'm being honest, every time that I read this scripture this week, I felt like Peter was trying to rub that in my face. Did you catch what he says to Jesus in the middle of this moment? He looks at his Lord and he says, it is good for us to be here. Yeah, Peter, I bet it was, right? I can't imagine a place that I'd rather be. I so desperately want to experience the awe and the wonder that peter and james and john surely must have felt in this moment the shiver up their spine the goosebumps running up their arm the hair on the back of their neck suddenly standing up that feeling of being overwhelmed by a moment and suddenly your hands and your fingers begin to go just a little bit numb all the thoughts that may have been rushing in your head they stop for just a moment. You feel that sense of fear that that makes you want to run and lean in all at the same time as you're just simply overcome by the awe and the mystery, the wonder and the magnitude of what you are seeing and experiencing. Do you ever get a little jealous of the disciples? Because I do if I'm being totally honest with you. Do you ever just wish in general that you got to see what they got to see and live? I mean really, Jesus transfigured on a mountain with Moses and Elijah, the heavens opening up and a dove descending upon Jesus just as he rises out of the waters from the river Jordan. Five loaves and two fish multiplied to feed 5,000, water turned into wine, a paralyzed man beginning to walk at the voice of Jesus, spirits cast out, Jesus walking on water, the dead raised from their slumber. I mean how are we supposed to feel the same awe and wonder? How are we supposed to truly experience the transfiguration instead of just trying to explain it if we don't get to see it? I kind of threw like a little bit of a pity party for myself this week, maybe you can tell yearning to experience that awe and wonder that must have been felt in this moment on the mountaintop. But the truth is there's, there's, there's opportunity for all, all around us. I think we just miss it. I was reminded of that one morning this week when my wife Madison was making her smoothie. I was holding our 10-month-old son Reed, which is just crazy that he's 10 months old, and she was loading up a pitcher with all the stuff that she puts in her smoothie every morning, right? The milk and the protein powder and the fruit and and whatever else, and me and Reed are just hanging out, but then she turned it on, right? And his body went stiff, right? His back went stiff, he froze, his hands froze, and his eyes just locked onto that blender. His mouth was slightly open, there was some drool coming out, and he watched that blender turn all of those ingredients into one solid thing, and you could just tell that his mind was absolutely blown. (laughs) He could not believe what his eyes were seeing. And if I'm being honest with you, blenders don't really do it for me like that (laughs) anymore. But I did Google this week awe-inspiring moments, and I just started reading. I read about Francis Collins, this is the scientist that's attributed with discovering the human genome or the full sequence of our DNA that makes up who we are, how God created us and who we are to be. This sequence of our DNA is three billion characters long. Which means if you were to read one letter every second, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, it would take you 31 years to read our human genome. And just for a moment, I felt myself feeling just a little bit of that awe and that wonder. And then I started reading about space, which is like a cheat code for awe and wonder, for me at least. I don't know how it is for you. But I read that that NASA estimates that there's between a hundred billion and one trillion stars per galaxy. They also estimate that there's between 100 billion and one trillion galaxies, which means that they think there's somewhere in the neighborhood of one septillion stars in our universe which is a one with 24 zeros after it, a completely unfathomable number. To put it into context, if they are right, then there is somewhere between 5 and 10 times more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on Earth. And that's just stars. That's not planets or anything else, and and each star is likely to have a solar system comparable to ours. And and again, I felt myself feeling just just a little bit, right, of, of that awe and that wonder that I believe those disciples must have felt on that mountaintop. I'm guessing that you have felt a sliver of that sometime in your life. Maybe it was when one of your children were born or the last time that you took time out of your day to watch the sun rise or to watch the sun set or the last time you held an acorn in your hand while looking at a 30-year-old oak tree and tried to wrap your mind around the fact that all of the potential for that growth, for that tree lies within the simplicity of an acorn. I think my homework for you is is to do your best to, to make room for, to to tune your heart to, to, to look for evidence of our living God in your daily life so that you too can feel that shiver down your spine, the goosebumps running up your arm and simply say it is good that we are here because when we do, I believe, we get just a glimpse of what that moment must have felt like on the mountaintop. I think the most important thing for us to do on this day in response to this event is to not just try and explain it, but seek to truly experience it. We have to be sure to experience this moment with Jesus the best that we can, because like Peter, in James and John, we too are preparing to make our way down the mountain. And before we know it, instead of seeing Jesus revealed in all of his glory on a mountaintop, we will instead see him revealed in shame for our sake on a hillside just outside of Jerusalem. His clothes will no longer be shining white, instead they will be stripped off and being gambled over by the soldiers that sit at the foot of the cross. He won't be flanked by Moses and Elijah, two Israelite heroes. Instead, he'll be flanked by two criminals. That bright cloud will be replaced with a darkness that covers all of the land. Peter won't be offering to build tents anymore. He'll instead be hiding out of fear, having just denied his Savior three times. And instead of hearing the voice of God, instead we will hear the voice of a soldier in near disbelief saying that maybe this actually was the Son of God. You see friends, we need to experience this moment here and now today because I believe that it is the awe and the wonder of the mountaintop that prepares us for the heartbreak of the hilltop. Having seen Jesus in all of His glory, only then can we begin to understand the depths that Jesus will go for us. Friends, my hope is that we would be a people looking for bits and pieces of that awe and that wonder so that whether we are on the mountaintop or we are on the hilltop, we too would have the faith to know and to believe that it is good that we are here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello. My name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.